Hey everyone, welcome to season 14 of the Nonprofit Ace Podcast. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I know that I've been out of pocket. Life, be life in. So this season is going to be a combo. So we've got an interview for you, so I'm really excited about, as well as some replays because it's 990 season, everyone. And because I've been a little MIA, I wanted to give you all a giveaway. What you have is going to be when you hear the episode for Rebecca Rodriguez. I love talking to her. I've got a couple of things. She has an amazing book that I want you to check out. So if you are saying like, hey, I'm a nonprofit or I'm thinking about starting a nonprofit, this book is for you. And what I want you all to do is be sure to follow us on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast. Once you're subscribed, check out the episodes, download your favorite and tag Synergy in a post on Instagram telling us your favorite takeaway from that episode. We're going to run this for two weeks. And at the end, we will give away five copies of Rebecca's book to people who have tagged us again with your favorite takeaway from one of our episodes. So excited to get you all a copy of this book and to see what you've learned. All right. Thanks so much for subscribing to Synergy's Nonprofit Ace podcast. Got to give you this disclaimer. Any accounting, business, or tax advice in this podcast is not intended as a thorough, in-depth analysis of your specific issues. It's not a substitute for a formal opinion. It is not good enough to avoid tax-related penalties. Got to tell you this because don't want y'all coming for me. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Nonprofit Ace podcast. I wanted to let you know that at the end of the season, we will be announcing the winner of the giveaway for the nonprofit workbook by Rebecca Rodriguez. We've been so excited to hear you all's feedback, your takeaways about what episode of the Nonprofit Ace podcast have really struck a chord with you. Keep tagging us and posting to your Instagram. We're excited to name the winner. Okay, so this episode is specifically about the tools. So as you know, I think tools are vital. Like you can't do it all in your head. So you need things outside of yourself to get your nonprofit going, to keep it sustainable, manageable, practical. And the 990 is one of those things. People underestimate what you can do with your 990. It is a tool. So because it's an informational return, It is where a lot of funders are going to gain information about an organization, especially if you do not have your audited financial statements or any financial reports on your website. The 990 helps funders, helps outsiders understand what you're doing, and it helps them compare you. We're not about competition, but comparisons are practical. And so the 990 tries to standardize some of the ways that organizations may report certain information. Those who are reviewing them can see apples to apples-ish what's happening. So how does 990 do that? Because it has a standard format, all nonprofits have to say, our numbers fit into this bucket. And that's helpful for the outsider who's just like, I don't understand what you mean when you say this thing that works internally, but it doesn't work for me to compare you to the people down the street. So how do you use it as a tool now that you've standardized? How is it going to be used as a tool? Well, one, you can talk about the effects of fundraising. On one of the schedules, um, Schedule G of the IRS 990, 
it is a supplemental schedule. But if you are having fundraising, it is definitely one of the forms that you want, one of the schedules that you want to fill out. And that's because it helps organizations decide, hey, what are they doing for fundraisers and how much are they netting? This is a valuable tool because sometimes we do fundraisers and we think that, oh my gosh, this is just an amazing event. And continuously we do it and then we're like, oh crap, it didn't bring in as much money as we wanted. And we never do a secondary gut check to say, so what are we going to do differently? The 990 allows you a time to say, what are we going to do differently? Because on that Schedule G, there is part two. It talks about fundraising events. So it asks you to name what are your events. So if you said, hey, we had more than 15000 in fundraising income, you would say, okay, well, let's hear about all those events that brought in more than $5,000. And you'd say, okay, this is the event, our gala, our bowling night, our karaoke, whatever those events were. And you'll say, okay, this is what we brought in. Minus what did people contribute? So you might have ticket sales, but then there were people who said, oh, I want to just give you guys some money. You take out that. And now you'd have like, oh, this was the income that's purely from this event. It's not because people love us and they were like, oh, I'm happy to support you. They're like, no, this is your event. This is what we brought in because of the event, not because of our goodwill in the community. And then they talked about, well, how much did you spend? What were your prizes? What did food cost? What facilities did you have to rent? Entertainment, all of those things. And I love that it actually breaks it into those categories because sometimes we're not realizing how much we're spending on specific things. And so we don't have a chance to analyze, is this actually a good use of our money? So by being able to say, okay, we gave cash prizes or we gave actual packages and like, ooh, a night stay at such and such a place. Then versus what did it cost for us place versus catering? I think those are really good to separate out because then you can think through if your venue is not providing the food, you can now think, okay, what if, if we kept the food, but we looked at a different venue, how could that have changed things? It's not my favorite form, but I definitely think it's one of the most useful forms, um, especially if you were doing or you're planning on doing fundraising. And even if you like, oh crap, we didn't actually have big events. I would actually say do this exercise at least annually, so that your organization is getting used to seeing that, so that you guys are being like, okay, so are we still going to do that? What are our other options? Um, Doing it right after so that you can get that quick glance. It gives a really nice breakdown of how you could be presenting it to your board. So even if you're thinking, oh, the 990 isn't useful, it is, because that's one of the ways that it can be very, very useful for your organization to compare events, for your organization to compare how your events are compared to other people's events and thinking through like, oh, what could we be doing differently? Could we like talk to these people to see how are they managing to pull off some of these fundraisers the way they're doing? Another tool that, another reason you should consider your 990 to be a tool is because of local giving days. More and more cities and states and like general regions um, are doing their local giving days. So Colorado has Colorado Gives Day. Miami has Miami Gives Day. There's one in Louisiana. There's one in Maine. 
that have local giving days and is part of your submission process to be a participant, most require that you submit a copy of your 990. This is because they are doing vetting on behalf of their donors. So like in Colorado, where they're allowing nonprofits to be on this major platform and say, hey, we're going to be on this platform. Give us the money. They're doing some of the vetting on behalf of the donors. They're building their donor trust. And so by getting all of that information in one place, it makes it easier for donors to make a decision on giving. So get your 990 so that you can be sure to participate. So one of the things is that the 990 shouldn't just be considered a tool. The 990 will help you consider what tools you might need to have in place. So one of the tools I find it helps organizations think about and determine if they need to have in place is a customer relations management, a CRM. And that is because in part of the return, when it acts about a schedule of donors, it wants to know what donors are giving you more than $5,000. There are some particulars. We will not go into the particulars right now. But by having a list where you can say, can't run me a report of donors giving totals greater than 5000 it makes it easier for you to then put that information into your system. It actually is also a really great way to compare what's going into your accounting system, what's going into your CRM, because you're 990. The numbers are based on what's in your accounting system. So by comparing what's in your CRM or if you're using Salesforce or Neon or whatever database you're using, by comparing those two, you can see if there's any discrepancies. Is there something that you might need to fix in your systems? It may make you think, oh, we should really actually communicate this information sooner. I realize I may have faded out because I sat back in my chair. (laughs) But definitely think about as you prepare your 990, what tools does it make you think, oh, we should definitely have this in place to make it easier. And along the lines of tools on how to file your 990, consider, would you pay? There are two ways to file your IRS 990s. You can do electronically or you can do paper. If you're doing the IRS form 990N online, the IRS has its own website where you can go ahead and file. If you're filing a 990N, do not pay someone to file your 990N for you. I don't care if it's me, somebody else, a website. It is not (laughs) worth it. Um, Unless it's free. If they're like, oh, it's free 99. Oh, I could pay free 99. But if it's, we're going to charge you, it's not actually worth it because you can answer the questions yourself. There are websites though that are checking out the IRS. The IRS has a listing of like, hey, these are some online filers. And when I looked at that list, there were three online filers that I would say people should check out if they're planning on filing on their own. Those would be file990.org, expresstaxexempt.com, and efile.form990.org. And of those three, from a pricing perspective, I would consider the efile.form990.org because they do a sliding scale fee structure. So they are going to say, based off of how much revenue you have, this is how much your fee will be. And so if you're thinking about what tools would I use to file my 990, those are three that are listed on the IRS website. And based off of my checking of the website, those are three that I thought would be worth 
um, you checking out to see which one you like better and is worth it. Hope that you found this episode to be helpful and hope you realize how the IRS Form 990 can serve as a tool for your organization and how it can help highlight tools that you can better implement. Lirita, if you have questions, you can reach me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. I am Synergy Advisory on Facebook, Synergy Accounting Advisory on LinkedIn. I'm Kyla Graham, CPA. Hope you have a great day. Bye.